0: Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Dijanovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at nine.
1: And every day we start off with the launch, so the keyword is going to be launch.
0: So text that keyword to five seven five zero zero and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod
2: Pros. Dave and Digenovic. your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. Yeah,
0: we are keeping an eye on this massive uh, cell phone outage in several um, cities around the country, mainly affecting AT and T customers, uh, and and trying to figure out like what's causing it. Uh, and also, customers are learning that your cell phones can still dial emergency numbers uh, like nine one one, even if uh, your cell phone company uh, is experiencing an outage, which is something I didn't
1: realize until I was listening to Utah's morning news this morning, Dave. Does it make you realize how addicted to our phones we are? I mean, these are massive, massive outages across the country. And I just realized we absolutely have changed the way we live with our lives revolving around the phone. I was trying to think, Deb, if I needed to call somebody, I have no idea what anyone's number is anymore. I have no idea. It's all in my phone. So we'll continue to follow that story. It's 9.07. It's time for the launch.
3: Sequence engaged.
1: And brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Here's the three things that Debbie wants you to know.
0: Countdown three. Well, she is certainly vowing to stay in the race no matter what. No matter what happens in South Carolina, her home state, during the primary vote this weekend. Um, In fact, she's coming to Utah next week. Nikki Haley, Boyd Matheson in the 11 o'clock hour to break down what Haley has to do to stand a chance at the Oval Office.
3: Some of you, perhaps a few of you in the media, came here today to see if I'm dropping out of the race. (laughs) Well, I'm not.
1: I'm not sure why everyone's laughing. Like, it's, it's not crazy to think she might drop out of the race. She hasn't performed well. Compared to Donald Trump. Now, you compare her, how she would do in a head-to-head competition with Biden, she does even better against Biden than she does against Trump. But it doesn't matter if you can't win the Republican nomination. So, are we just pretending?
0: Countdown to... Hey, look, the irony is not lost on me this morning. uh, That we're coming in hot talking about the grocery tax and repealing the grocery tax in our 10 o'clock hour on the very same day, almost in the same breath that we're talking about raising sales tax and hotel room tax to fund sports arenas uh, in Salt Lake City specifically. Um, Let's talk specifically right now about that uh, grocery tax repeal effort that'll be on the ballot in November. Um, Lawmakers say we can do that as voters, uh, but there's a catch. We're going to hit the check stand at 10.05 to go in depth on what's at stake.
1: Okay, of all the things we've covered, you know know me, you know me well. One of the big things whenever I see a law, I ask myself, is this actually do good or does this just feel good? I think this is the greatest example of feeling good, but getting rid of the grocery tax, the, the sales tax on food, it doesn't actually do any good. I'll break down exactly how much you can expect to save. You're going to be underwhelmed. There's the tease. Super underwhelmed. Launch countdown one. We woke up this morning to
0: Utah's morning news and got smacked in the teeth with a hockey puck. And now Utah lawmakers uh, want to increase the sales tax to help fund an arena for a pro hockey team. Dave, I am on tax raise overload because yesterday Utah lawmakers revealed their plan to increase a hotel room tax across the state to pay for an MLB stadium in Salt Lake City. Uh, but but here's, a, here's at least one spin uh, on the MLB stadium.
4: Uh, we would put in less than half of the project cost to build the stadium, for example, but we would retain full ownership of the property uh, once it's built
1: baseball wants a billion dollar stadium hockey wants a billion dollar stadium this is unequivocally the worst timing ever Like, how how did anybody drafting this ever get married because your timing is awful it could not be worse right now you can't plant the seed of a billion dollars for a baseball stadium and then five minutes later say but we also want another
2: billion but this time hockey. Dave and Dujanovic. The launch. Commence. Dave and Dujanovic. Dave and Dujanovic. Special (laughs) coverage of the top local story. This
0: is totally bad dad joke time. It's like the, you hear the one about Utah lawmakers and their two for two deal? (laughs) Two billion dollars will get you two pro sports facilities uh, in one city, in Salt Lake City. So let's take a timeout for just a moment because I was like, what are they talking about this morning? We were just talking about this MLB stadium yesterday in a billion dollars. So let's start there. Uh, they've already pitched and unveiled the plan to raise the hotel room tax, about $1.50 for every hundred bucks spent on a night stay, uh, to put a billion dollars towards an MLB stadium near downtown Salt Lake City. We had the representative... Ryan Wilcox on the show yesterday who's sponsoring that billion
4: dollar plan. Uh, where this is a tourism benefit and a lift, that that is where that burden would lie rather than on most Utah. So
0: tourists all over the state would have to pay for the billion dollars that would go into the stadium in downtown Salt Lake City for MLB. But there's now a new plan, a billion dollars to fund an NHL arena, Dave.
1: Okay, so when we were wrapping our head around this baseball stadium you figure it's about a dollar 50 for every 100 bucks so if you a $100 hotel stay they're going to tack on an extra buck 50 that's going to help build the stadium so when you say okay we want another billion how are they going to fund it are they going to raise the same tax are they going to do the same hotel tax
0: let's get with Adam Small Castle News Radio live in studio with us you're up to bat
5: Well, it is not the same as an MLB stadium. This actually would have a pretty direct impact on taxpayers, at least around the Salt Lake City area. So I've been looking over the bill text, and then Senator Dan McKay, which we'll hear from in just a few minutes on the show, uh, actually spoke to the Salt Lake Tribune last night, and he explained that this bill, if approved by the legislature and then also Salt Lake City, it would raise Salt Lake City's sales tax by half a percent from 7.75 to 8.25. That tax he estimates would generate a billion dollars over the next 30 years. That is how they would pay for the stadium.
0: And I read the bill as well, uh, Adam, and I also texted back and forth with Senator Dan McKay, and he's uh, scheduled to join us in about five minutes uh, live on the air to walk us through this NHL arena pitch. Uh, And it seems to be very hyper-focused on bringing an arena to Salt Lake City. It is for a first-class city and a first-class county, and he texted me this morning and he confirmed it would be impacting Salt Lake City. So, obviously, they're trying to get a NHL team in Salt Lake City.
5: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I think this, this, you know, kind of comes on the heels of that report we got a few months ago of uh, Ryan Smith and the Utah Jazz in contact with people at the Point of the Mountain Authority down in Draper, because we know that the Jazz might be looking for a new home too. So the way the build text is actually written, this can fund an arena that either hosts an NHL team, the Utah Jazz, or even both of them, but it is Salt Lake City-centric.
1: Boy, you touched on something, and I I hadn't really thought about this, but if baseball is getting a new stadium, if hockey is getting a new stadium, how in the world are the Jazz – In their stadium right now, built in 1990, going to be happy there. I guarantee if we're funding these two, if we're doing baseball and we're doing hockey, I guarantee you... The Uh, NBA is next.
0: I know a lot of people are wanting to call in on this. We're going to take your live phone calls uh, just after 930 this morning. Adam Small, thank you so much uh, for being the one to take one for the team and reading through that piece of legislation for us. Straight ahead, Senator Dan McKay. He is the chief sponsor uh, behind this proposal to fund an NHL arena in Salt Lake City. One of the questions we've got to ask him is how in the world can Utah lawmakers justify hitting taxpayers twice in two days with massive bills uh, for for sports teams?
2: Dave, Dave, and Dujanovic. Dujanovic. Dave and Dujanovic. Dave and Dujanovic. Dave and Dujanovic. Special coverage of the top local story.
0: Uh, this show is not a repeat of yesterday's show. <laughs> this is not a best of D2. It is true that Utah lawmakers have revealed a second plan to spend a billion dollars in taxpayer money. This one is for a new NHL arena built in Salt Lake City. So it would be a Salt Lake City exclusive when it comes to raising taxes, too, which it would increase the sales tax um, a smidge, just a little bit, half a percent. We're going to speak to the lawmaker, Senator Dan McCain, in just a moment.
1: Let me just say, I appreciate the fact they just didn't recycle the exact same idea as the baseball stadium. You know, they just didn't say, you know what? If we're going to raise the uh, hotel tax by 1.5% to build a baseball stadium, let's just up it to 3% and build an NHL stadium. Oh, and while we're at it, let's add another 1.5% and build a new arena for the Utah Jazz. So At least they're being a little bit more creative. So
0: NHL a facility would be funded through a sales tax increase exclusive to Salt Lake City. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, the MLB stadium tax would be funded by everybody, including those of you who live in like Grand County and Paiute County and Daggett County through an increase in the hotel room tax. You just send those mo- that money to help fund a baseball stadium in downtown Salt Lake City. Um, so, Senator Dan McKay, good morning. We are we are getting bombarded with billion-dollar offers to spend taxpayer money uh, from Utah lawmakers uh, in the last two days. Uh, how's, how's the timing feel right now for your uh, pitch to fund an NHL stadium?
6: Well, thanks for having me. Can I just step back just like a 10,000-foot level sure. and just look at the state of Utah and look at where we are? There are very few cities, there are very few states in the country who are looking at the problems that Utah has. We have a burgeoning housing market, we have a growing economy, and we are attracting the nation. We're we're attracting the attention of the nation for lots of great reasons. And we're also attracting the attention of the world with the Olympics coming in 2034, we hope. And now we have, you know, major league franchises who are looking at, or, you know, major league sports who are looking at the opportunities in Utah, who are looking at the fans, who are looking at, you know, all the economic positive news that's coming out of the state of Utah. And why do you be part of being here? And I, I just, I like as a sports fan, as a lawmaker, as a citizen of the state of Utah, as a Utah, and I just look at it and say, man, this place is amazing that we have this much opportunity and we're trying to decide between the best options. And I love I love those kind of problems.
1: I would go along with you on that. I, I think it's a pretty cool concept because I think growing up here, we've had the Jazz basically my entire life, and, and I think we've taken for granted what it has meant to the community. So the idea of bringing additional teams here – Number 1 is a little pie in the sky. If you would have said this 10 years, 15 years ago to me, I would have thought there's there's not a chance. We're just we're just not big enough. So the fact that we're even in the conversation is fascinating. Here's one of my big worries though. You look all across the country, any sport, whether it's basketball, football, you have big major cities like LA losing teams. It, L.A., which has millions and millions of people, one of the largest cities in the entire country, they can't keep a professional sports franchise. And then a weird thing, you know, flip that idea, you've got Green Bay, Wisconsin, they couldn't support the Packers more. So it it feels a little bit like a crapshoot with going all-in billion-dollar stadiums on franchises that may or may not work
6: here. Dave, I love that you brought that up because that is – you are hitting at the heart of what we're trying to accomplish. You contrast, you know, well, there are other problems in Los Angeles, but let's just step back for a second and say, Salt Lake City is one of the few Metro downtowns that still has a positive population growth. If you look, you know, going all the way back to the, going all the way back to the 70s, 80s, 90s, our downtown was losing population quickly. And we were doing, we were following those larger metropolitan cities as far as population trend and economic investment. We were following that trend for a long time. And, and the big change came when we had the Olympics. It disrupted that. Uh, and the investment that we had downtown, and then we had the investments you've seen the LBS churches made. City Creek, as well as all the improvements on Temple Square. It's still one of our largest tourist attractions in the state. And then you, you look at the opportunity we have here with both Major League Baseball and NHL and NBA, um, you know, at, at those opportunities. And it is hard to not appreciate the fact that we might be shortcutting what some of the biggest downtowns are experiencing, which is a, a diversification of those assets and a flight from the downtown metropolitan areas leaving those downtowns with a vacuum of problems and 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 hard poor, difficult decisions be made about how to solve them Senator and Senator Dan you look at Dan, what we do Dan, here we have a lot of benefits
0: Senator Dan McKay live on the line uh, unveiling legislation to uh fund an NHL arena or allow for funding for an NHL arena by increasing the sales tax in the Salt Lake City area. Look, I think we're missing the point that taxpayers are feeling the pinch right now, uh, as it is. And you have proposed, lawmakers in two days, Senator McKay, have proposed a two-for-two deal, which has to do with bringing entertainment and sports teams to Salt Lake City exclusively to Salt Lake City, at the cost of two billion dollars to us. How do you justify two billion dollars and uh, expecting taxpayers to come up with that kind of money?
6: Well, it's always it's always trying to balance our investments, right? In this situation, you know, when a team leaves, uh, like let's let's hypothetically say that a team left that a that team leads the Delta Center, right? Let's say the Jazz left the Delta Center. What, what do we have now? It, it is an empty arena. Uh, you know, generally they can hold, you know, small bit things. It, it really, as an asset, it's, a, it's a, it, an asset that brings a large operation and maintenance, you know, issues along with it. And for the most part, the teams have a lot more flexibility than those arenas allow them. And so trying to make the right investments, working with Salt Lake City and working with Salt Lake County, we feel like NHL and MLB and, uh, and, you know, and keeping the jazz downtown makes an important uh, investment in the state of Utah. It makes an important investment in our urban downtown core and makes important really generational investments in, in the state. And I, I recognize, and we don't do this lightly, if you look at MLB, they're pulling levers that for the most part will be absorbed by out of town, you know, people visiting the state of Utah. So tourism will largely support those efforts. The sales tax uh, from the Salt Lake City side, it's it's a local option that gives Salt Lake City the option to enact this 0.5% sales tax. That 0.5% something based tax, I, I love those, uh, as far as tax goes, because it's People get to choose how much they pay of it, and that consumptive-based tax will then help fund this generational investment in downtown Salt Lake. And I, I think if you look at the diversified levers levers that both options are pulling, we, we get a lot of strength in the state of Utah for the investment that will be made.
1: Senator Dan McKay, thanks for joining us.
0: Keep us posted. Uh, We'll keep an eye on the Hill as well with our team of reporters and producers. Um, So at this point, it does seem that Utah lawmakers are set on attracting a major league uh, sports team, (laughs) either NHL, MLB, or both, to the Salt Lake City area. Here's what uh, Senate President Stuart Adams said about spending taxpayer money on an MLB stadium.
7: If and when we have a World Series in Utah... Think of what that will do for the state of Utah and the ability to
6: have that type of an event here.
0: But let's face it, this is our money. Even if it's our parents staying in a hotel room or our buddies coming into town uh, to go to an MLB game down the road, this is our money. And people from you know Paiute County, from Grand County, Daga County, to County you all be putting in that pot to help fund an MLB team. And now we add an NHL component to it as well. So let's take your live phone calls. 801-575-TALK. 801-575-TALK. $2 billion in taxpayer money. You okay with that?
2: Dave and Dijanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories. On KSL News Radio. Wow, well, we
0: got a huge lineup uh, waiting on the phone lines right now to weigh in on this new proposal Um To raise a billion dollars through an increase in a very exclusive area of Utah. This would be for Salt Lake City. A sales tax increase of 0.5% to fund an NHL arena. Is that what they call it? A rink? An arena? Um, And Okay. You are not uh, tuning into an old show here. This is is, uh, in addition to what we talked about yesterday, Dave.
1: Yeah, we're... Lawmakers wanted to raise uh, basically a billion dollars to build a Major League Baseball stadium. So, yeah, in back-to-back days, plans were re- revealed, and taxes, how they were going to raise this money, was revealed of how to build both a Major League Baseball stadium and an NHL arena. So, one of the things that, that we've asked is, do you have your phone calls? You lit it up everybody's on the line right now we, we've got full phone lines let's start off with chris in west jordan chris what do you think
4: um so i think that salt lake city has been nickled and dimed to death i mean half a percent is not much but they have the highest property taxes in the state by far and so i i really don't think that uh Another small increase is the answer for them. I think the legislature should get together and come up with three really good viable options to put to the voters mm. so we can do a ranked choice voting kind of category <laughs> in November. Well, and then with the fourth option of go back to the drawing board and come again.
0: Look, but one- I, yeah, thanks Chris for your phone call. Um I love the idea of attracting major league sports um, and pro teams to uh, Utah. My concern is that now we've got two situations going on. I feel tapped out already uh, just when I go to the grocery store. Uh, so they're asking us to put up more in sales tax in Salt Lake City and for visitors to spend more on a, you know, a hotel room tax. Ryan and Sandy, what do you think about this uh, two-for-two deal lawmakers are pitching in the last two days?
6: Look, I, I absolutely love investing in the place that we live and grow and that our families are going to live and grow. My question is, and the devil is always in the details, um, do we do we as taxpayers, do we own any of these stadiums? Do we yes. get to uh, benefit from the increased uh, property value over the years?
1: Yep. Um, no, it's this, a great question. Is this,
6: a tax? Yeah. is this just a tax credit that we're handing to them and somebody else owns the stadium and they benefit? Well, we We, do have
0: those details on the MLB stadium, right, Dave?
1: Yeah, I don't know about the NHL arena proposal, but we we did ask that specifically to Representative Ryan Wilcox uh, about the Major League Baseball stadium. And yes, the state of Utah would own that arena. And then the ownership team would lease it from the state.
0: In fact, let me go back to yesterday's uh, show when Representative Ryan Wilcox called in live He just stepped off the house floor to talk to us about the MLB pitch to raise hotel room taxes and how that would play out with the new stadium. Uh, We
4: would put in less than half of the project cost to build the stadium, for example, but we would retain full ownership of the property uh, once it's built.
1: So if you want to be a big boy city, you got to have big boy things. And to be very, very honest... Major league sports is a huge part of being a major city. So I I can see the enticement and the the motivation behind lawmakers wanting to do this. James and Clinton, what do you think?
4: Uh first of all, I just want to say thank you for everything you guys do for us listeners. Oh, you sure. and the That's other awesome. Thing is, thank you. The other thing is is you you can't stop our progress. You, you, no matter what, as the as the city grows, everything else is going to come with it, whether you try to oppose it or for it or against it. And so might as well get it out of the way now <laughs> while you have control of it because once the city grows to a, a, a point where it's too big, then you really won't have a say-so in it. So you might as well just let it go and watch <laughs> it come in and –
0: enjoy it right. as
4: best as best
1: you can Give right james? Growth.
0: Uh, james from south jordan hi yes
6: hi how are you it's thank so you good. for taking my call
8: yeah sure yes, uh,
6: right now there's a lot of seniors that uh that can't even afford to buy their uh their uh, groceries or pay for their prescriptions and are losing their their homes because they
4: can't afford to pay their property taxes they're winding up homeless let the owners of the of the team's Pay for these stadiums, and uh, I think our lawmakers here right now have their heads buried in the dark.
6: So uh, it, it's time for them them to, to to start thinking of the seniors that are that are
4: that their property taxes go up every day, and they can't afford to even pay them and, and pay for their prescriptions.
1: James, thank you, thank you for your perspective. It reminds me of what the governor Governor Cox said months ago when asked if the state would be willing to help fund some of these arenas. And he said, and this was specifically about the Major League Baseball uh, stadium, he said, I don't think taxpayers should subsidize billionaires. We don't build stadiums. That's not what we do. Except for the fact that that's exactly what the proposal is for the Major League Baseball stadium, and we're still learning more about this proposed NHL stadium, who would be the owner of it, where the leasing but would come from. We do
0: know it would be in Salt Lake City uh, if this proposal gets through uh, Capitol Hill. And we do know that it would, it calls for a, a sales tax hike exclusive to Salt Lake City. So if you're a senior and you don't have a lot of mobility uh, to go shopping and you shop in the Salt Lake City area, James, you're right. Seniors here would spend more. And Senator Dan McKay just said, well, you've got some flexibility when, you know, you're buying things and you're paying for, you know, you're at that, with that added sales tax. Well, not if you're in James's situation, you know, not necessarily. The same rules don't apply to everybody. I want to try to squeeze in Don from Kaysville, only because he's from your hometown. Don, can you say it in 30 seconds?
6: Yeah, just a, a couple of points. Uh, Larry Miller uh, built the Delta Center. That that ought to be the model that we should be following. Um, the, the whole Wasatch Front is going to benefit from uh, the stadium because they're going to be coming to the games and, and participating in it. So maybe it shouldn't just be Salt Lake City that pays for it, but spread right across the whole Wasatch Front. And then the uh, the hotel tax, uh, the argument there is it's not locals that pay for it. It's, it's the visitors, it's the out-of-towners, and, and there is some merit to that uh, argument.
0: Oh, thanks so much, Don, from Dave's hometown of Kaysville. Thanks, Don. Uh, we're not going to let go of this conversation because, of course, we've got the MLB stadium um, and the pitch there to uh, fund that through an increase in the hotel room tax. Uh, and we know the spin on that is that U- Utahns would then own the stadium. Uh, we
4: would put in less than half of the project cost to build the stadium, for example, but we would retain full ownership of the property uh, once it's built,
0: but when we were talking about this in the show prep meeting that we had this morning, Dave and I are like, "Wait a minute, full stop, time out, folks. We don't even have an MLB team that's committed to coming to Utah." Uh, Dave's going to break down what our competition looks like for us next.
2: Dave and Duchinovik.
0: Well, before we get to uh Dave's. Break down his research regarding what our odds are of getting an MLB team. Um, I want to remind you that it is secret contest time. It's one for our, our podcast listeners exclusively. So we're super excited that super excited that a lot of you are subscribing to the David Janovic podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And Dave will give you a keyword, and then what do they do with that keyword, Dave?
1: You text it five seven five zero zero. You text that keyword to five seven five zero zero, and we will enter you into uh, a little contest, the secret contest, again, only available for podcasters, uh, and you can win some AirPod Pros.
0: I don't care like, what cliche you choose to use. It's like uh, the the cart before the horse or the tail wagging the dog, but it does start to feel like that when we talk about funding and raising hotel room taxes or sales tax in Salt Lake City to build or uh, to help fund uh, an MLB stadium on the west side and a new NHL facility. So uh, Representative Ryan Wilcox is sponsoring the legislation about the MLB stadium, and that would be a statewide hotel room tax increase, about a buck fifty for every $100 our parents spend on a hotel room when they come visit us. And he talked to us about it yesterday.
4: It is the transient room tax, which is primarily paid um, through hotel stays, and that's that part is true, and that's by design, uh, where this is a tourism benefit and a lift, that that is where that burden would lie rather than on most Utah.
0: And that's mostly how they would come up with the almost billion dollars that they're looking to collect in order to help fund. And then they'd say we would own that MLB stadium uh, on the west side of, of Salt Lake City. Uh, we don't have an MLB team, though. Yeah, it's like all of this like, is
1: contingent on us actually getting the team. They're not going to like raise it right now. It's in kind of like
0: building a really big spec yeah. home and then just hoping that the right buyer comes along to yeah. scoop it up. And no, that, it,
1: it's a good point because some people may think that's what's happening. But none of this kicks in until Major League Baseball in Salt Lake sign an expansion agreement. So all of this kicks in once we are guaranteed to have okay. a team. So, okay. yeah, they're not. you don't have to worry about it. It's not happening tomorrow.
0: I think I, I felt like I've lost sight of, you know, what the chances are. What are the odds that we're going to land an MLB team, which would be my dream. I got to admit it. I'm a huge MLB fan. I went to um, a Yankees game for the first time in my life uh, this last summer. It was 12 bucks. So when you talk about affordability, mm-hmm. Good point. I think MLB, probably a little more affordable, a lot more affordable. Um, maybe that's because they don't have as many fans or whatever, or they have a lot more seats, and they have a lot more games. A lot more games. That's yeah. the key. Okay, so a lot more games. I paid 12 bucks uh, to get a seat, actually got a seat, at um, Yankee Stadium. It was awesome. So... What have you been researching, Dave, for for me and for our listeners to know, like, what are the chances we're going to get a team here?
1: So we know how much we love Salt Lake and we can really make the pitch for why we would be a great spot. But you have to really look at it holistically. Okay, what about all of the other states and cities that are pushing for the exact same thing? Because expansion, we assume, is going to be two teams, only two teams. So of all the cities out here we have to narrow it down to the two best. Now, rumor has it that there's going to be an East Coast team and a West Coast team. But let me just put out some of the, the names that are out there, the cities. Jeff Passan with ESPN does a phenomenal job covering uh, baseball. And anyway, he, he put a big list together. Can I give you a, a few of the ones that scare me the most?
0: That, that are best competi- our t- t- toughest competition? Yeah, the oh, yeah. ones okay. we would have
1: a, a tough time Battling against. So,
0: like, we're in the World Series to get an expansion team, and what cities are we up against?
1: Okay. Oddly enough, the one that scares me the most is not actually in America. Really? It's an expansion team proposal in Mexico City. Really? Mexico City has a population of 9 million people. It's one of the largest cities in the entire world. Their, Their metropolitan area. They're drawing from 21 million. They are seven times the size of the entire state of Utah.
0: So they would probably fill that stadium and then some.
1: Every single night. Mexico would be, Mexico City would, and they love baseball down there. They had this incredible oh, yeah. run in the the, the world. Um, what was that called? The, whatever. the It wasn't the World Series, like the World Championships, where all the countries got together. Anyway, they had a great run uh but mexico city scares me they love baseball this is the one downside is you would have to convince the the entire franchise and all the players you know you're gonna have to live in mexico city now that might be a deal breaker it may not be but that's definitely something i i've heard this as a problem in the nba for okay. the toronto raptors that you know leaving living in a different country that can be what, problematic
0: those flights to get to their games. Wow. They all charter. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that sounds like a much longer flight. That okay. one scares me though. Okay. so that,
1: That's a, that's a very, very intriguing one. It's a, it's a significant travel issue as well. Sure. So, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, can you imagine going from New York all the way down to Mexico city for, you know, for a weekend or, okay. So that one scares me, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, that seems to be one of the leading candidates. Nashville has just exploded over I the know, last... I know,
0: but it, come on. It's the home of country music. I mean, we got we got a lot more than that going on here.
1: Some of the... <laughs> yeah, the history of baseball in, in Tennessee, it's... Oh, there's a lot going on in Tennessee. It's a hot spot. Uh, it has... It, it's kind of the Vegas... Okay, that one does mid- scare me. I yeah. mean,
0: I am a huge country music fan. I could certainly see the draw. Um, and they get a lot of tourists there because... Uh, 'cause of country music. So yeah. that, yeah, that could be some serious competition. Yeah.
1: Very similar to what okay. Vegas kind of draws, Nashville does the same thing. Yeah, so Nash- for, for different reasons. The hope is that Nashville would be the East Coast team, the quote unquote East Coast team. It's close and enough. that we would be the West Coast okay. team. That that would be the best case scenario. What else you got? Uh, Portland doesn't scare me, me neither. very much. Yeah. Uh, San Jose, California doesn't no, scare too me. many teams in uh, San Antonio is almost identical to Salt Lake as far as market size. The argument is that, oh well, it's only 90 minutes from Austin, which is a much larger uh, city. But it's 90 miles apart, right? are you Are you gonna jump in your car and drive 90 miles to go to a baseball game? I just think it's too far apart. so i I don't think the Austin San Antonio pitch is is nearly as exciting. So, uh, you know, there's there's North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, Orlando, Who? Florida. Yeah. <laughs> not worried about Raleigh. Not worried about Orlando. You can have your Disneyland. Don't care. So the there's only a couple that really worry me. Mexico, uh, Nashville, hmm. Montreal, you know, they already had their shot. You lost them. Tough beans. Okay. You only get one shot.
0: I love the research project, Dave. Love it. <laughs> Dave has literally 25 pieces of paper in front of him. Great job. Let's us know where we stand with Major League Baseball. Next, let's talk about the uh, repealing the grocery tax. How ironic is that? How ironic. We're talking about repealing the grocery tax in the same breath we're talking about increasing a sales tax in Salt Lake City. We're going to go in depth next. Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of The David Dugianovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday starting at 9.
1: And every day we start off with the launch, so the keyword is going to be launch.
0: So text that keyword to 57500 5 0 0 and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. David Dejanovic,
2: your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. The Food Tax Debate, a special presentation with David Dejanovic on KSL News Radio.
0: Yeah, and that debate's been going on uh, for decades now, whether to keep or ditch the food tax. I mean, we, we, we all get hungry, we all need to eat.
1: Leave me, see more me all night long. But let's
0: start here. Do we even know how much we pay for groceries? So according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis, um, groceries should cost you about $259 per person per month. Who made that up?
1: That's in Utah. That's specifically in Utah, and we're one of the lowest in the nation.
0: So what is that about? Let's see. $12,448 for groceries for a family of four.
1: Yeah. A year. That- right. That is a chunk, and that doesn't count eating out either.
0: Yeah. So of that 12 k you're paying sales tax on that food, but not necessarily all of it, right? Um, some of that food. The state is offering up a solution to Utahns. You can get rid of the sales tax on food if you like.
1: And, Deb, you know me. that I'm a big fan of looking at the laws that are passed as, does it sound good or does it actually do good? And I think this is one of the biggest examples of sounding good, sounds great. You know, let's get rid of the food tax. But in reality, I don't think it's doing that much good because it's not that big of a tax.
0: So let's do two things before you get into your details about your sounds good pitch. Uh, let's listen uh, to the report filed by our very own KSL News Radio's Peter Johnston on this issue that is brewing in Utah right now on the food tax debate. And in a moment... We're going to get with a lawmaker who um, has been in on some decisions um, and the process of getting us to where we are now.
8: When you hear this sound, Please scan your first item and place it in the bag. You know, Utah's about to charge you nearly 2% tax per item. But voters can choose to change that this November if they decide to change how income tax gets used in Utah. It's currently in the Constitution that income tax money can only go to education. But lawmakers last year passed a bill that kicks the food sales tax to the curb if two thirds of voters allow that requirement to go away, as for the odds of a constitutional change, a Deseret News poll from last spring shows only a third of voters are for it, while half are against it. Peter Johnston, KSL News Radio. Joining us right now is
1: Representative Karen Peterson and uh, Representative. Thanks for joining us. Let, let me just make my final final little pitch of of why I think this isn't nearly as as impactful as maybe we we had hoped or how it sounds. Say I spend a thousand dollars on on groceries every month. The state sales tax portion of that is 1.75%, right? That's only 17 yeah. bucks. That's 4 bucks a week. So it, as good as it sounds, I'm not sure 4 bucks a week is is changing changing the tides here.
3: Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on first. Um and I do think that um Because we have um, kept our sales tax on food low, the impact is, you know, different for different families, right? For some families, uh, when they're seeing the cost of inflation on food, they feel like, you know, that little bit would make a difference for my family. So we've heard from a lot of constituents uh, over the last couple of years uh, requesting that sales tax be removed off of food.
0: But... The way it's framed now, Representative, is the only way that we can get rid of the sales tax on food is to uh, change an amendment in the Constitution, which would allow lawmakers to use you know, income tax that they collect now for education for other purposes, right?
3: Yes, yes. Um, so while the impact on each family is small— Once you add all of that impact together on what state revenue um, comes in, then you're leaving um, really essential services, things like um, water, public safety, programs for seniors, air quality, those kinds of things now have less funding uh, because of the artificial silos we've created in our budget uh, that, that make us make those kinds of decisions. So last session, we worked really closely with the education community. I am a huge supporter of public education. Uh, I've been working in that space a long time. And one of the things that they worry about is guarantees on funding for new students that come into this system and to help with inflationary costs that haven't always been funded by the legislature. So what this proposal does is actually say if voters remove the sales tax on food, then out of the income tax, first and foremost, come those two funding things to education every year, and it's in the Constitution. So voters would have to then change their mind again to take that out.
1: So I'm, I'm also a little uncomfortable whenever we have kind of the quid pro quo. Like if you want this, then you got to pass that and i think these are two things that we we should be able to separate and say okay let's have a real discussion and a debate about whether or not the sales tax is necessary or needed and let's have another conversation about whether we want the entire income tax to go you know to be mandated to go exclusively essentially to education why combine these
3: yeah that's a really great question um so we are the only state in the nation that has this constitutional earmark for public education. And I, I would argue that we don't care necessarily where the money comes from in state revenue that goes to public education. We care that it gets to public education, yeah. right? Yeah. So at the same time, we're trying to balance the budget and follow our current constitution. And the um, the sales tax in our state is, is not – rising at the same rate as our income tax revenue is rising. And so as we sit up here at the Capitol and we think about critical state needs, it, it creates these, um, like I said, these silos or these buckets where you say, well, we'd really love to do more on homelessness, for example, but that bucket is shrinking. And, you know, all of these social kind of issues also impact our schools. So how come we've created this artificial Um, barrier or buckets. Um, And knowing then that sales tax on food reduces how much we have in the bucket for all of the other needs, it does end up tying the conversations together uh, in a way that if we talked about them one at a time, um, it would be really difficult, for example, if we said, okay, we're going to remove the sales tax on food, but now we've just Uh, a revenue source that's already decreasing, um, and so that becomes a challenge then to meet the state's needs.
0: Representative Karen Peterson, live on the line as we go in-depth this morning on the food tax and the efforts to repeal it, but only if uh, voters decide to amend the Utah Constitution uh, to allow for income tax, which is now allocated for education, to uh, be spent in other ways, So the reason that it is allocated to be spent on education is because many, many years ago, my understanding is, if my memory serves, is that voters made that happen because there were some concerns over, oh, how lawmakers were spending that money, and we were bottom in the nation when it came to education spending. So do you expect that voters trust lawmakers enough now to stick to their word?
3: So this is the thing. I think that what this does is it says, uh, lawmakers, we're telling you, constitutionally, you have to fund new students every year and you have to fund increased costs. Right now, it doesn't say that. As much as people want it to say that, all it says is the money that gets spent on education comes from this source. And and what this now will say is, no, Utah is required to prioritize in the revenue we receive from income tax our education system first and foremost and it puts that into the constitution in a way that we have never had a protection for public education before
1: representative karen peterson thank you for joining us
0: thanks so much yeah for calling in straight ahead uh, let's get into this is getting rid of the food tax makes sense actually to taxpayers um and we're going to go straight to the Utah Taxpayers Association. They've been crunching the numbers uh, behind the scenes, uh, so we're going to ask them to crunch the numbers on the air live.
2: Dave, Dave, and Dejanovic, the food tax debate: a special presentation with David Dejanovic on KSL News Radio. You know,
0: this will come up on the November ballot. See, it feels like it's you know months away, but hey, this year is already flying by. So we're going in depth today, all day long on the. Food tax. Lawmakers have a plan to get rid of it. Uh, let's let Peter Johnston, KSL News Radio, walk us through that plan, and we're going to talk to the um, the Utah Taxpayers Association and ask them to crunch the numbers for us and whether this makes sense or not.
8: This is the ultimate two birds with one stone thing coming up on November's ballot. Voters are going to be able to decide whether they want to amend the Utah Constitution and remove the earmark that dedicates the state's income tax solely to education. It would take two thirds of people to give a thumbs up for this to happen. But lawmakers passed a rule last year that if that earmark goes away, so does Utah's 1.75% sales tax on food. As for the odds of a real constitutional change going down, a Deseret News poll from last spring shows only a third of voters are for it, while half are against it. Peter Johnston, KSL News Radio. Isn't it kind of funny how many years and
1: decades we've tried to address the food tax? I mean, we have been. Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. over the food tax we had it then we got rid of it then we brought it back and then remember just a few years ago in 2019 lawmakers almost quadrupled the food tax to 4.85 percent and then the people rose up 150,000 people signed their name on a petition and then lawmakers are like never mind never <laughs> mind well we take it back back backsies they, they just ejected on that plan. But they were going to almost quadruple the sales tax five years ago, and now they want to get rid of it altogether? <laughs>
0: there's that caveat that, um, that, cl- that, they're like, look, you can get rid of the food tax, folks, uh, but in order to do that, you have to allow us to use the income tax um, for things other than education, We just spoke to a lawmaker who's been in on uh, this conversation up on Capitol Hill. And I don't, I I, look, I don't know what the right thing to do is here. I I understand that, you know, funding mechanisms are shifting um, with income tax and sales tax. And so maybe lawmakers do need more flexibility. But many years ago, Utah voters decided. Lawmakers weren't doing enough for education, so that's why we decided. You know what? We need to have an earmark on income tax for education. Rusty Cannon with Utah Taxpayers Association. I'm. I know y'all have been crunching the numbers behind the scenes. Uh, what's your take on this? Do we need to repeal well, the food tax?
9: Well, we, we think. I think we should. I mean, one thing that I think you mentioned 2019, a valuable lesson that lawmakers learned and a lot of people learned in 2019. There's not much else that could be more popular of an idea than getting rid of or reducing the sales tax on food. It unites essentially both sides of the aisle, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and, and they all united in opposition to what was done, you know, roughly, what, five years ago now. Time flies. But um, it, it, we think it is a good move for a couple of different reasons, which we can explain. Um, there, there's essentially two buckets of revenue that, that the state has access to, a little bucket and a big bucket. The little bucket is sales tax, and the big bucket is income tax. Little bucket's about $4 billion a year right now, and the income tax is about $8 billion a year. The problem is that that little bucket has to fund everything under the sun uh, for state government except for education. Um, and so in order to have access to that bigger bucket, that's why the constitutional change is needed. And in return, you can then take $200 million, that's about what it is – million a year out of that little bucket and give it back to taxpayers by reducing or eliminating the state sales tax on food. So that's why it's coupled together in one constitutional amendment. And we think it makes sense and and we think it will pass. And and obviously everybody needs to be educated on it.
1: One of the things that that keeps coming to my mind, Rusty, is I think everyone that that wants to get rid of the sales tax and why it's so popular is because it does. It sounds great but you break down what we pay for groceries a family of 4 about $1000 a month you know 1.75% is about $4 a week like that that that's not moving the needle on anybody nobody is going to the store every week spending $250 per week and saying you know what though you know what would make a difference if i paid 246 that would fix everything so i I know it's popular, but it's not that much money. it's not impacting anyone's life
9: well that's that's a fair point. Uh, the advocates for getting rid of it would disagree the, the The main story that's been told for years now has been how hurtful and destructive it is to those, especially on lower incomes um, and you you make a great point, and there's varying opinions on it but but there's typically a very vocal. Uh, support for getting rid of it for for those reasons.
0: I think Dave does make a really good point and then I had this flashback Rusty to 1990 when I was living on ten thousand dollars a year my first actually I was yeah, my second job I took a pay cut to go to Yuma Arizona and I didn't have any money I mean my rent back then was 450 dollars a month for a studio in Yuma because I I rented during uh what they call snowbird season when, you know, all the folks from out of state were coming because the temperatures were so great. Um, and so my rent was extremely high for a very, at the time for a very, very small studio. And I was living on, I mean, I was living on quarters for food, honestly. Uh, so I, you know, we can dismiss $4 here, $4 there. And today, but when you are living on such a tight budget, 17 bucks a month, or whatever it is, a dollar or two dollars extra a week. I mean, if it buys you a dozen eggs uh, and a box of or a few top ramens, uh, that is the difference. Honestly, it is.
9: Well, and there's been pressure every year, at least as far as I can remember, up at the legislature where we are today um, to repeal this tax. I mean, it, it was a repeat argument every single year, it was always a subject of debate. Um, and now here's a chance for voters to decide if they'd like to do it. And it would now d- they need to remember this is just the state portion, um, which is 1.75. There still will be local sales tax on food, but um, that's would sit there at the 1.25%. But this would get rid of most of it uh, as far as the or at least the state portion of, of the tax.
1: How much uh, does the this, this state bring in with income tax?
9: It's around $8 billion a year
1: so that 8 billion dollars would basically go into a big bucket and the and the legislature would be responsible to just divvy that up with education and and roads everything it would just go into a big pu-
9: pile right correct Yep. Yep. Correct. And that's the right way to do it. That's how every other state in the nation does it. Yeah. And it's it's the best way to go because other things are priorities. You got to think Medicaid and social services is now the biggest part of the budget. It is no longer education. Like, and they don't have an earmark. So, so why would one other sector deserve deserve the earmark? So this is an important debate to have, and we think it's fair. Let the legislature then sorts out priorities and funds what needs to be funded.
1: Well, thank you for joining us, Rusty. Uh, Rusty Cannon with the Utah Taxpayers Association. Okay.
0: That was an aha moment for me that Medicare and Medicaid have now become the biggest part of the budget. Oh, they yeah. don't have an earmark. Yeah. And we're aging, right? Um, and we've earmarked for education in a much different time period. I mean, we're earmarking for education through a constitutional amendment, you know, decades ago. And now there's been a shift, there's been a shift. This there's a lot to consider here, Dave.
1: There's not an earmark for roads, but we still build roads. We still fill in potholes. We so just I prioritize. Thought
0: like, I Thought goods. that was the
1: gas tax. Some years, <laughs> some years we we build. Sometimes we don't need to. It, it ebbs and flows. So I think that's I I am absolutely fine with taking uh, the the reins off of the legislature and saying you have to spend income tax. I have no problem with that. I just. I'm sorry, I, I don't know how $4 a week is moving the needle. I would rather take that $200 million, the $200 million that the sales tax is bringing in right now for those families that are struggling, and put that directly into food security measures. I would have no problem with that. But there's no reason to give the, the Romneys, the Huntsman's, the Noriega's, the Dujanovic's a $4 a week Savings at the expense of that two hundred million dollars. Great point.
0: Straight ahead. Let's let's get into this headline in the Wall Street Journal. Half of college grads are working jobs that don't use their degrees. There's a reason why Dave loves that headline.
1: I love it.
0: Um, but I have a bigger question. I, I want to know if colleges, if we feel like colleges are actually setting up our Kids, our students, when they walk out the door of the university uh, for success in their chosen degree. Are colleges holding up their end of the bargain or have they just become diploma
2: mills? Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio.
0: We're going to talk about uh, why it's you. <laughs> Because of you, Capital One um, decided to buy out Discover card just a couple of days ago. That announcement was made. We talked about it live on the air. But, but here's some good news. First of all, you might not have to put your next set of AirPods <laughs> on a credit card at all. Uh, what you need to do is you've got to get involved in our secret contest. So go to our podcast, The David Dijanovic uh, Show, on your favorite podcast platform. You can even use kslpodcast.com.
1: And then what you do is you listen for me, I will give you and it's very obvious I, I make it very clear I'm like flashing lights this is the secret word so here's the secret word when you hear me tell you the secret word, then you just easily you text five seven five zero zero and you get entered in uh, into this contest, the secret contest to win a pair of AirPod pros.
0: Yep. And the contest only goes for, uh, through the end of February. So you got to get on it now.
2: Right on the money, special coverage with Dave and Dijanovic. So
0: here's the, here's the headline behind the big headline that we talked about earlier this week, Dave, on the show live when it was happening, the capital one financial, uh, buying discover card, uh, There's a reason why Capital One uh, is so interested in in buying up a good chunk of Discover card. Uh, It's because of us and because of our buying habits and our use of credit cards. Credit card use is just, the trend is just unreal on how much we're putting on our credit cards and how much of our balances we're carrying over and paying interest on. Um, And so Capital One would like to thank you.
7: Yeah. You're Thank welcome. you for making you know what? this
0: multi-billion dollar purchase, um, you know, a thing for them. I, and I want to get into some of the nitty gritty about our credit card use in just a second.
1: Okay. I will say some of this is obviously uh, on us, but there are so many reasons to use a credit card right now. Number one, there's a lot of companies out there that are cashless they don't even accept cash if you go to a jazz game right now uh, they're forcing us they're forcing you into using mm-hmm. a card now you could say oh it's a debit card or a credit card here is the second part of that credit cards offer rewards and discover is famous for their cash back where they for every hundred dollars you spend you get a buck back or something like that My so goodness. They've done that for years.
8: I
0: know. I was just thinking about that in context. So I gotta go spend a hundred dollars to get a buck. Yeah. <laughs> that not seems awesome. to favor that just certainly seems to favor the credit card companies, yeah. not me. What a what an but, interesting but trick. There right?
1: are there are rewards though. I mean, you'll I get flight miles I do. you'll get hotel yeah. vouchers um, you you can get so many things so if you're going to buy gas anyway if you're going to buy groceries anyway why not use your credit card yeah pay it off every month if you can do that that's the catch mm-hmm. is they're betting on us not being disciplined enough to pay it off every month. And, and they're right.
0: And a lot of people don't pay it off every month. I'm looking at this um, this stack of documents that I have in front of me on this research project we're doing about uh, credit cards. 48% of all credit card users carried a balance at least once in 2021, carried it over, according to Forbes. And, that, and that's actually according to the Federal Reserve data, so they're digging into that data.
1: I would have thought that number was higher.
0: Well, um and it, 22% of all credit card holders are either very unconfident or somewhat unconfident about paying their next credit card bill in full. Mm. So, what's happening is you're just building interest. I mean, that's all you're you know that's just like I always say, that's like driving down I-15 and just throwing cash out the window because you're just paying it to the financial institution in this case it would be is capital one which is gonna be a huge holder of all credit cards uh in the nation and the average interest rate right now hey I've seen interest rates as high as twenty nine percent twenty nine percent okay so this is round it up to thirty but the but the average interest rate right now is right around twenty four twenty five percent that's, that's huge.
1: A, a staggering number yeah. uh and there are some deals out there there's six months on this or twelve months on that but quite honestly, that's that's a dangerous, a dangerous number when you're talking about 20, 30% interest rates. Now, some of us use our credit cards and have to pay this interest because we're sloppy. We're just, we're, we've lost track. We got a little spendy one month. We're a little sloppy. Others are doing it out of necessity where they don't have enough money they're not making enough at work. They got to buy the groceries anyway. You're not going to go without that. So you put it on a card. So sometimes it's sloppy. Sometimes it's buying things that you don't need. Other times it's just sheer necessity, especially with how inflation has hit us the last three years.
0: The very first thing I would do if I was carrying a balance that felt out of control or I had a lot of different credit cards um, is I would try to do my best to consolidate. Multiple, um, yeah. yeah look nightmare. for that, but most it is shocking to me. And there's a statistic here as to how many folks just do not know what their interest rate is. Um, you haven't even you haven't bothered to look. Uh, and I and I got caught in this. I I got caught in forty seven percent of of card holders in the U S. Don't know what your interest rate is. So I got caught in this trap. Uh, remember when interest rates were really soaring really quickly. And there were like 13 interest rate increases all like kind of in the same year, year and a half uh, with the Federal Reserve hiking rates to kind of get a hold of inflation. Uh, Mine shot up from like 9% to 15%. But no clue until I thought, I'm telling everybody else to look at their interest rate. So that's the first thing I would do. Get into your banking app or your credit card or whatever it is and look at what your interest rate is. You might be shocked to find out it has gone up a lot since you last checked. Um, and then if you're carrying a balance, track that interest um, and look at 0% interest cards. Sometimes there's some transfer fees involved in that, but sometimes there's some zero, you know, zero transfer fees too, and it's 0% for a year and a half or so, and you can take advantage of that to start just paying toward the actual balance and get that thing paid off. Because all you're doing is just financially propping up these credit card companies.
1: And to be very, very clear, we want to make sure we're tracking the teaser rate. The teaser rate is where they, they sweet-talk you in, yeah, 0%, right. no interest, oh, yeah. and sure. then it jacks up to 15 20 30%. So be very aware when you sign up or if you're balance transferring something – what the teaser was. Oh, and rate looks I got
0: like. stung by one of those. I got in I got in sideways once with a major um electronics company years ago when I missed a payment. I'd been paying on it and I missed a payment by like five minutes or something like that. I was screaming down there in a car at like nine o'clock at night and the doors closed to make the payment. And what they do is they charge you all the back interest.
1: That is Oh I was it should be criminal. <laughs> that is so dirty.
0: All of the back interest. On a boom box. On a boom box. player? (laughs) It was a $400 boom box. I mean, all of this stuff just does not make sense. But I found myself trapped in that in the 90s. Straight ahead. Uh, Dave's favorite story of this hour. (laughs) College degrees that aren't actually doing much for college graduates when it comes to their chosen profession. Next.
2: Dave and Dijenevich. This
0: comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. Probably impacts a lot of kids here in Utah. Um, half of college grads are working jobs that don't use their degrees.
1: Oh, I love this conversation because I think we've given a pass to higher education for decades. For decades. Decades, and we just have accepted the old rhetoric that getting a college degree, it's the right move. Everybody should go. Think of your parents. Think of your kids. What message have you sent to them? Is it, hey, there's opportunities out there that are fantastic, that are jobs that you'll love, that pay well, but don't require a college degree? Or is everything from the time they start school is got to get good grades so you can get into a good college,
0: Well, my concern as a parent who has paid for three kids to go to college uh, now is that what a college is doing to boost uh, their graduates into their career field after the fact. Great Have they just become diploma mills where, you know, students or their parents or their families uh, put up a ton of money and make a lot of financial sacrifices to get them that degree, but then when they walk the stage at graduation, then what? Are they on their own?
1: Fantastic question, Debbie. Are
0: you setting up job fairs? Are you making sure those college graduates are getting, um, you know, in the at least a foot in the door for an interview uh, with a, a company that would, you know, love to welcome them with their degree in hand.
1: As you are saying this, I, I'm coming to this realization: the number one recruiter should be the universities. They should have the best relationships with all the companies, all the businesses, where businesses can come to you and have a relationship and say to your business team, hey, listen, this is what I'm looking for.
0: I'm sure they who do. You- I'm sure they do. But I'm it, it maybe maybe it's happening to some of the kids, to the students that are going, it's not. I'm sorry to tell you, it's not happening with mine. So maybe there are some lucky few who are getting that. But what about the thousands of others we're always I'm always seeing news releases from our local universities and colleges about how much enrollment has grown. We're the biggest in the state. We have the most students now. Well what are you doing with those kids? I keep calling them kids, plenty of them are adults uh, when they graduate
1: yeah it and what we're seeing in this this research and the Wall Street Journal has done a, a comprehensive job, but what they found is of college graduates do not have a job that requires a degree or college-level skills. So nearly one in two people that went to college and got a degree did not need it. It is that black and white. You have a 50-50 chance of actually needing your degree. That is a terrible Well, I appreciated when University of Utah President Taylor Randall joined us live
0: on the show just a couple of weeks ago. It was last month when he called in and he told us that he recognizes uh, that the U recognizes that people are losing confidence in
7: higher ed. If you look at confidence in institutions overall, call it Congress, hospitals, um, whatever it be, there is one institution that uh, lost more confidence uh, with the public. Uh, than any other, and that is actually higher ed. And I think this is a moment where we are having to take a sound look at ourselves and ask the question: How can we actually add more value to society? Now, there are a variety of, of there are a variety of I think um, complaints. We we don't produce degrees that are valuable. We cost too much. But one of them certainly is is that we've lost the balance, the platform of what we should be, and that is a marketplace of ideas.
1: That was as powerful a statement as I've heard from higher education. I was absolutely floored that it came from the president of the University of Utah. It was a level of self-awareness that I hoped to achieve at some point in my life. It was inspiring to hear him give such a critical assessment of higher education. He talked about placement. He talked about the return on investment. How many years it takes to complete a four-year degree? On average, it's almost six years, by the way. The cost. The fact that they're offering degrees, my words, not his, terrible degrees that do not lead directly to a job that will pay you more for that. So David and I are
0: talking about this Wall Street Journal article about half of college grads are working jobs that don't use their degrees. And in fact, they're finding in this research that um, it's, it's for years. <laughs> of, the graduate, of the graduates um, in non-college level jobs a year after leaving college, the vast majority remained underemployed a decade later. Um, And additionally, the article says, Dave, I want to mention this as well, more than any other factor analyzed, including race, gender, and choice of university, what a person studies determines their odds of getting on a college level career track. So more than any of those other factors, it's what you study that will matter most with your career track. And that also points out that internships are also critical. And I know from my experience, oftentimes internships are only available exclusively to people enrolled in college. So there's that too.
1: And this is something that the colleges do a terrible job of, in, in my opinion. Uh, you look at, at the data and there are clear winners and losers degree wise, if you get an engineering degree, if you get a a business that is degree that is very math intensive, uh, the healthcare professions, if you want to become a doctor, right? Those have very clear paths and, and very valuable degrees where you could directly tie. This is my education. This is my degree and I will be paid for it. But then you start looking at the humanities and cultural studies, uh, business marketing or HR, those fall far short of that college level pay that you're ultimately expecting. So the colleges need to do a much better job to say, these are by far, by far the most valuable degrees. And in fact, these are the only ones you should get. And we should remove many of these other options that don't have a strong ROI.
0: I can just talk about my own experience as a college grad. I did feel like Arizona State University led me um, right to the trough. <laughs> They're like, here, drink. Here's your internship. Um, here's your first basically paid internship. Get college credit. I worked at a television station in, in Arizona, in Phoenix, and it was great. And then that led to my second job um, and then in Phoenix. And then that led to my job uh, on air uh, from there. But since then, my concern is, is that these colleges have expanded. Now they have online enrollment, and they've ballooned so much with even on-campus enrollment. Hey, you can't even find a parking spot at the University of Utah. You can't even find a parking spot. It is such a popular place to be Monday through Friday. So then what happens is you're spending all this money for parking, for fees, uh, for tuition. And then you graduate with this really pricey diploma. And then what? What? And that's where I think we need to see more um, of development in that arena when it comes to um, colleges and universities. you got to help our graduates beyond helping them walk across the stage on graduation day.
1: One of the most telling things to me was during COVID, when we are... Asking kids to still pay their tuition, attend remotely—they're not actually setting feet on campus. They still raised tuition around the country. There, there were some here in Utah that did not, but that just tells me they weren't even coming to your campus, and you still milked them for some, for more.
0: Uh, speaking of colleges, Nikki Haley heading to Utah soon. I think she's going to be at UVU. In fact, uh, but she's first hoping to save her presidential campaign in her home state of South Carolina. Some
3: of you, perhaps a few of you in the media, came here today to see if I'm dropping out of the race. <laughs> well, I'm not.
0: Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of the Dave and Dijanovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at nine.
1: And every day we start off with the launch, so the keyword is going to be launch.
0: So text that keyword to five seven five zero zero, and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. Dave and Dujanovic
2: have inside sources.
0: So Nikki Haley, another Republican primary. Uh, it's on Saturday. So at least uh, those in South Carolina won't, won't, many of them won't have a, a, a work-related conflict on Saturday.
5: Excuse. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So she was the governor of South Carolina from 2011 to 2017. uh, And then President Trump picked her to become an ambassador uh, to the UN. Um, And she is a, she's a fighter, Dave. She's uh, said publicly, she's not getting out of the race.
1: Yeah. And, And that's important because a lot of fingers are pointing directly at her saying, you need to drop out. It's time for you to say bye bye. Now, in, in the few handful of primaries that we've had so far, she's lost. And she's lost in a big way. She's lost double digits. The close one was still double digits. So I, I wonder how much faith she still has in her in her campaign if she's being truly objective about this.
7: Boyd, is she? I think she is. Uh, it, it's Again, it's so early in this process, uh, and I know all the prognostication, I know all the reasons – for people to get out. uh, And yet they should not. Uh, We don't do coronations in this country for a reason. Uh, We actually fought a war over that (laughs) and won our independence over that because we don't do coronations. Uh, And the fact that everybody wants this coronation, the people who really want the coronation, those are the people you should be worried about. And the people who want the coronation are the current president and the former president because it's in their best interest for their political purposes to have everything be done and done. Joe Biden knows his best path to reelection goes directly through the former president, Donald Trump. Donald Trump knows his only path is through Joe Biden. And so they, they like to prop each other up. Let's be honest. Uh, it is this two headed duopoly uh, in our political system right now. And, and it's so interesting. Uh, I, I was looking back. And when you look at the the last few cycles, People were calling for Joe Biden to get out of the race in 2020. They were saying you should get out. They were saying he should have gotten out before South Carolina because he had not done well and the prospects didn't look great. And then everything changed. Uh, Never on the Democratic side was that more loud than when a senator from Illinois was messing everything up for the Clintons. And everyone was screaming for Senator Barack Obama to get out of the race because you're hurting us and you're going to help the evil, awful other side. So all of that to just say, Nikki Haley should stay in the race. She's going to stay in the race. She said after Saturday, she'll still be in the race. She'll be here in the state of Utah next week. uh, And everyone should take a listen.
3: Some of you, perhaps a few of you in the media, came here today to see if I'm dropping out of the race. (laughs) Well, I'm not. <laughs> South Carolina will vote on Saturday, but on Sunday, I'll still be running for president. I'm not going anywhere.
1: So, Boyd, why do you think at least in the primaries and the, you know, that we've seen so far, why do you think the American GOP is so committed to Trump and not giving enough to Nikki Haley?
7: Yeah, so I think in, so if you look, remember, we're only three states into this thing. Yeah. Uh, so if you look at Iowa, uh, New Hampshire, and Nevada, Nevada. Um, those are all pretty quirky states. Uh, and in Iowa, you still had everybody in the race. So that was a, a real mix. And so someone like former President Trump had a, a much easier opportunity there. Plus, it's a caucus state. So that was that was pretty easy. New Hampshire, things started to narrow down. Nikki Haley got to 43%. Uh, and but you still had Ron DeSantis on the ballot. You still had some other uh, folks on the ballot. So I think South Carolina will be interesting, even though the former president has a has a big lead there. I think things are shifting, uh, and one really crucial thing to watch on Saturday. I know you'll be all over this, Dave, in between pickleball. Uh, you'll be you'll be watching because there are ninety four percent ninety four percent of registered voters in South Carolina can vote on Saturday. Only 4% voted in the Democratic primary, which was on February the 3rd. It's an open party state so that anybody and everybody is eligible to vote. You just can't vote in both primaries. So the 4% who Mm -hmm. voted in the Democratic primary, they're done. They can have Saturday off. 96% of people in South Carolina could show up, could cast a vote on Saturday. Are you telling me... South could Carolina
1: Democrats would hold their nose and vote for a Republican just despite Donald Trump.
7: Absolutely. Yeah. And and again, I don't think you're going to get the, the far left. Those that's the 4% that voted yeah. on February 3rd. <laughs> but the vast majority of those Democrats in South Carolina are center left. Where Nikki Haley is very appealing to the center left or the center right of the country. Mm-hmm. So you clearly could have that group rise up and say, "You know what? We actually have a voice." uh and uh, it's actually the majority voice and so that it could be interesting well, i'm not saying it's going to happen if but it's especially if they're
0: they're burnt out on biden yeah, yeah. Uh, you know let's say let's let's just say that they're burnt out on inflation let's yeah. just for example we'll just say that um <laughs> or they're burnt out on some of his other uh politics uh maybe it's his son or whatever yeah. the situation is you know with that I, wow boy that's an interesting twist
7: it, it's interesting. And there's, and there's a few more states like that. Michigan's going to be like that as well. And again, President Biden has a lot of problems in Michigan right now. Uh, and there are a lot of those who could say, you know what, I'm going to cross over and I'm, I'm going to go with a Nikki Haley. Uh, and so there are some really interesting paths that are out there. Again, they're long shot things to be sure. Make no mistake about that. But this is why we do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave gets the athletic analogy. that Everything on paper it looks like this is going to be a blowout, blowout, blowout. But you still play the game. Mm-hmm. Because stuff happens. Can I, just, uh, can I just add to
0: that? Like, I played softball and tennis too. What is? I get, I get it. But, but, Dave, but, but Dave plays pickleball. Dave plays pickleball. It's very different. As soon as Debbie, as soon as he, you, you start talking about, it, you're on Ball. with pickleball. You two sports fans are always getting up on me, and you pretend like I'm like Deb doesn't do anything. Okay, but let's talk about the caucus here on March 5th and Haley's trip, her visit to Utah's next week. So the timing is is awesome. Yeah, for her. I will, how, how do you think Utah will? Utah Republicans will um go on uh, in terms of caucus day on March 5th
7: Again I I think uh, I think all of those who are willing to show up and there's lots of different ways that you can show up you can actually go online and register you can have a family member or a friend actually take your vote to the caucus night there's lots of different ways to participate in that it's technically a preference poll um but but it will count in terms of those delegate votes that will be cast on that uh, I think there's a lot of things. Utah's always had a complicated relationship with former President Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think there's a sure. thing. And that could yeah. actually have a very interesting impact. If Nikki Haley comes to town, let's say she delivers a knockout speech at uh, Utah Valley University and the Herbert Institute. Uh, well, she'll get a ton of
0: media coverage, for she'll sure. Get, she'll get
7: good coverage, and, and she'll make a good speech there. And I think there are a lot of things within her portfolio that really resonate with a lot of Utahns. And so whether those people become animated and committed enough to show up and actually cast a vote, uh, it it could be very interesting. And it's always been complicated here in the state of Utah for the former president. And so someone like a Nikki Haley, who a lot of the same policies, definitely a different feel, definitely a different focus, a little more civility mixed in there as well. I think think she could have a, a good day on March 5th.
1: And she's starting to fight back. A little bit more than we have seen previously yeah. uh, going after the former president. Boyd, thank you. Right. This portion of the David Nuganovic Show is brought to you by Window World. Call Window World of Utah today for the best value in windows and doors. And that's no baloney.
0: Straight ahead, we're going to get back to our other big story of the day. The $1 billion plan that's been unveiled on Capitol Hill to pay for oh, another sporting venue. Uh, this time, it's an NHL arena. <laughs> we talked to Senator Dan McKay in the 9 o'clock hour. Who's pitching this plan?
6: Working with Salt Lake City and working with Salt Lake County, we feel like NHL and MLB makes an important uh, investment in the state of Utah.
2: Eye on the Hill 2024. Special coverage with Dave and I tell you
0: what... <laughs> Boy just love studio, and he said, "You know, if you're going to talk about NHL, Deb, and a billion-dollar plan to fund an arena, you've got to sound more excited." <laughs> but it's a billion dollars. Uh, that's right. You are hearing that right. Uh, if you miss the nine o'clock hour of the show, this is the big story of the day. That there is yet another plan on being unveiled on Capitol Hill. This one would be to fund um, an NHL arena in Salt Lake City, specific. And it would raise a sales tax in Salt Lake City, exclusively in Salt Lake City, by about half a percent. Um, And so it would boost the sales tax, Dave, to collect a billion dollars to help finance
1: an arena. So we can stick it to Salt Lake County and then we're good in Davis (laughs) County? I just want to make sure this is very clear, because if we're sticking it to the Salt Lake folks and I still get NHL hockey... I, I I endorse that. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> well,
0: this is what I call the U- le- Utah Legislature's two for two deal, right? <laughs> like you get for a- just two billion
1: dollars, <laughs> you can get two beautiful stadiums.
0: That's right. Um, <laughs> so you've got the you've got the one billion dollar plan to help finance an NHL arena, uh, and then you've got this other plan that was unveiled two days ago. So we got two for two and two. Two stadiums uh, for $2 billion in the last two days. Uh, that's That other plan, uh, the OG plan, would raise almost a billion dollars to fund um, an MLB stadium, also in Salt Lake City. Uh, we stopped, talked to Representative Ryan Wilcox about that MLB plan yesterday. In a moment, you'll hear from State Senator Dan McKay, who is on board and behind the NHL plan.
4: Uh, where this is a tourism benefit and a lift that that is where that burden would lie rather than on most Utahs.
0: So explain that tourism benefit, Dave, in terms of that tax.
1: Yeah, so very different ways of funding this. You know the the baseball stadium versus the hockey arena. So the baseball stadium is every single hotel, maybe it includes VRBOs, I I don't know, but at least, you know, hotels, motels, they have a little fee. Right now, you're paying it. It's 0.3%. Mm-hmm. That's what the standard is across the state. So 0.3%. In Vegas, it's 13%. So just to give you some comparison. So we have a very, very small hotel room tax, 0.3%. This would raise it to about, what, 1.5? Mm-hmm. So it's a buck fifty for every $100 that people spend on hotel rooms.
0: So thank you, Vernal. For thank every, you, Paiute
1: County. Yeah,
0: for every visitor you have, every time I have to stop into a ho- hotel room there. Yeah, they're paying Price? for it. Our producer's from Price. Caitlin, give me a thumbs up. Do you guys have hotels uh, in Price? So they Okay, you do. <laughs> There's three. Okay, three. So thank you, Price, uh, for helping us uh, build an MLB stadium on yeah. the west side of Salt Lake City. Senator Dan McKay called the show earlier. He is behind the... We're keeping, you know, we got to keep all the X's and O's straight here. So he's the one behind the NHL stadium or arena plan. It was unveiled on Capitol Hill yesterday. And I did. I was like, look, we're candy coating this, right? We're in the middle of talking about how great it is that Utah is just, I mean, we're growing and these teams want to come here. I mean, the bottom line is somebody's paying for it. It's two billion bucks and it's you and I.
6: It's a, an asset that brings a large operation and maintenance, you know, issues along with it. And for the most part, the teams have a lot more flexibility than those arenas allow them. And so trying to make the right investments, working with Salt Lake city and working with Salt Lake County, we feel like NHL and MLB and, uh, and, you know, and keeping the jazz downtown makes an important Uh, investment in the state of Utah. It makes an important investment in our urban downtown core and makes important really generational investments in in the state.
1: They say it's an asset. Uh, The state would actually own, under the Major League Baseball plan, they would own the stadium. And then the team would lease the stadium from the state. They'd pay them $150,000 a month. Over 30 years, that's $52 Fifty-two million dollars that you pay, basically in rental fees. Well, it's a billion-dollar stadium, so you're not making the money up that way. You have to make it up in another way, and that would be through the taxes.
0: What happens if we say no? What happens if we say no? Thank you, no thank you to NHL, no thank you to MLB. Um, would the teams just say fine, goodbye?
1: Okay. the The, the nuance is what if we say no to the funding. Of yeah. the arenas, yeah. Right? right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that would absolutely tank our efforts. There's no chance, because every city knows that's the price. The- they all do it in a little different way, but they're building the stadium for these well,
0: teams. Well, didn't and then the Supersonics run into trouble in Seattle with building an arena? Then that went on for years, and then it was just a funding issue. And now aren't they the Thunder?
1: Yeah, yeah. The
0: Supersonics. Seattle- they went to Oklahoma City, like... Oklahoma City from Seattle? Like, what, for the frog legs? I mean, so to me, yeah, it would definitely be then there's
1: no hope. Seattle is one of the premier cities, the named cities in the country. How in the world did they lose an NBA team? Mm -hmm. Because the city, the state, they were not willing to play ball. So? The owners packed up and they moved to Oklahoma City and they have not gotten a team back. They want a team back. They've said, my bad, my bad. We'll build you a stadium now. We're, we're we're back in the business. And NBA is like, nope. So this is a crucial time for Utah. If we are interested, these don't come by very often. These opportunities do not come by very often because you have to have two things. You have to have a willing ownership group that is willing to buy the team, pay the expansion fee—that is billions of dollars. The second component is you have to have buy-in from the state to build the stadium. You have to have a place where you can actually build it. We have all of these things. That's why you you feel this sense of urgency to get something done.
0: Uh, but I think not everybody's going to be happy about it. I, I wonder how the folks who live in the area of like where the new Fair Park Power District would be put in, how they feel about it. Uh, and we are planning wall-to-wall coverage next week on the impacts to the local communities um, because there's more to be said about this than hey look we're bringing in sports teams. Um, also, what do ticket prices look like? I looked up at the Blackhawks. Like if I wanted to get out of town and head to Chicago uh, on Friday um, in section 234, I could get a a ticket. It's on the secondary market uh, for 175 bucks.
1: Yeah, never buy it from <laughs> from the secondary market. They well, is
0: it, so. it going to be affordable for a family oh, of four yeah. or five to go? Hey, it's going it to be an like a team? NBA
1: team. It's like going to a jazz game. Will we have so, enough fans? That's a fair question. We're not a huge market. We don't have a huge amount of population along the Wasatch Front. So you, you, would, you would want people coming from Utah County and the Ogden area, Weber County, they would need to buy into this. Now, it's only 35, 40 minutes in many cases, so it's not a terrible drive. It's not a terrible commute to come in to watch a game. But, yeah, you would need from Weber to Utah County, you would need that kind of buy-in well, from the fans. Our listeners
0: in Utah County may be like, well, are they going to potentially build the arena here and this legislation that was unveiled – is it makes the the build exclusive to the salt lake city area the way it's worded it's like first class county and a first class city and i uh was texting before the show with senator McKay to get clarification because there are a few first class cities right first class city is all based on population in salt lake county and he's texted me back let me see the exact wording let me get to it because i don't want him to tell me i took something out of context
1: not kaysville
0: um. So he did reply, Salt Lake City, West Valley, and West Jordan are first-class cities in a first-class county. However, the bill has other limitations that keep the team's team, and then S in parentheses, in Salt Lake City. So if you live in Provo and you're thinking, oh, yeah, this could be, um,
1: nope. And if, let me just, I'll give a little prediction. Here's my Nostradamus moment. I guarantee you. If these two things pass, for a hockey arena and for baseball, a new jazz arena would be right behind it. Oh, my goodness. So it's going to be another billion? Yep.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What, have we made of money?
1: Oh, just count on it. Count on it. The Jazz are playing in a, you know, 30, what, 1990? Yeah. That is an old stadium. Mm -hmm. 31 years. It's been remodeled, but, yeah, they're... They are looking for a new stadium. For If sure.
0: you woke up this morning without cell phone service and you panicked, next we're going to have great tips on how to navigate life without your cell phone. If this is a real thing. We'll give you tips to what to do next.
2: Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. Who
0: do, How many listeners? Um, if it's safe to do so, give us a quick text at five seven five zero zero. Um, and let us know if you were, you know, you woke up this morning and you realized your cell phone wasn't working and how that felt.
1: How did you feel today? So empty and <laughs> lost inside.
0: This actually happened all over the nation. There were thousands of customers, uh, mainly AT&T customers um, over the network, um, that, that woke up and they found that their cell phone was, you know, experiencing an outage and AT and T still not telling us exactly what the reason was for the outage, uh, but I realized in the moment. You know, I mean, I guess I could grab a couple of like plastic cups from the the, the pantry and
1: <laughs> run a string.
0: I only have pull dental dental floss work. Like, what do you do if your cell phone goes out? What do you do?
1: I was just thinking about that today because you know I'm going out of town for a few days, and I thought. How do I communicate with the guy that's picking me up <laughs> if all of a sudden I have no idea how to get a hold of him? I have absolutely no idea. Oh, you don't even know his cell phone number. Well, it's in my phone. <laughs> so if my phone's not working- Well, maybe I, the
0: network's not working, but I bet the contacts would work. Well, so even if, if it phone. is, if
1: his phone's not working- You use a payphone. phone. I, I don't <laughs> even know where that exists. Where are they? Dude, I have no idea where those are. And what if his phone's down?
0: Well, you could use a courtesy phone and I gotta at the give airport.
1: Him, If his phone's down, it doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) The point is, is that we are so reliant on our cell phones that we don't know what to do if it happens.
1: Uh, (laughs) I could go longer without food than I could my cell phone.
0: So this listener says, it's more simple than you think, Debbie. Uh, So, Okay. We're looking for texts. If you're with woke up without cell phone service this morning, give us a text at five seven five zero zero and let us know so we can give you a call. (laughs) See how things are going. So there are some workarounds, and I actually knew this. I know y'all don't think I'm tech savvy, but I knew this uh, because why? Well, because I hike a lot, and I like to. I'm also a worrywart. Like I am the OG when it comes to worrywart. Like, what's my backup plan if I get in a jam? Uh, And I need cell phone service, and I don't have it. Do you know about this Wi-Fi calling option? Okay, yes. Okay, well, explain it then.
1: Well, (laughs) you use your (laughs) Wi-Fi instead of the cellular towers.
0: It's that simple, and you can get to that uh, through your settings app. There's um, like a tab for cellular, and you just go there, and you make sure that Wi-Fi calling is turned on. Isn't that awesome? I'm checking it out right well, no, now. Actually, I'm
1: literally checking it out on my phone. I, is I, it on?
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if mine's on right now, but I would know this because I tested it a few years ago, and it worked. So that is uh, one option. The other thing you need to know is just because your cell phone network is down, it doesn't mean you're, um, you can't use the like the SOS options. Like You can use 911 still. Uh, there are actually kids who have accidentally dialed 911 um, centers from phones that their parents have in like a, a junk drawer. Maybe it's got a little charge on it, but it actually isn't in use. It's no longer like part of the plan. It's not under
1: contract. Right.
0: It's just over there because 911.
1: Will always work. Yeah.
0: Will always work. Good thing to know.
1: I was just looking at my, my phone, Dad. My Wi-Fi calling is not on
0: go figure. Boom. I, just I turned it on. I won that one. Um let's see, here's another one I'm not as familiar with. So, um Oh, I do know this actually. Navigate with downloaded offline maps so you can use your navigation by uh using offline maps. I have done this before. Why? Because I hike. <laughs> And there's a way to use your maps offline.
1: I just learned about this. Okay, tell me more. No, I I mean, I learned that it's a possibility. I haven't actually done it yet, but I didn't realize. I thought, because I I was hiking with somebody. They're looking at their phone. We're in the high Uintas. What are you doing there? We're camping. This was, you know. I'm impressed. men's camp. It was awful. No, I mean, it's because I'm a baby. Uh It was fine. Uh, But yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, oh yeah, the GPS and the maps downloaded and... Look, it shows you exactly where you are. So I didn't know this was an option. But that brings up another thing is if I didn't have my phone, I couldn't get anywhere. I use Google Maps for everything. I've, I haven't looked at a map in 30 years. I have no idea.
0: Well, I would definitely be busted by the troopers on parked along the I-15 on the way in because the maps, I don't know if the troopers know this, but they alert all of us. <laughs> There's a speed check ahead. Speed check ahead. You didn't know that?
1: No. Oh my goodness. You are a fountain of information right now. <laughs> so
0: I know my way to work. You know, I there's one or two ways to work for me, basically, unless I decide to snail myself, my snail my way in down Redwood Road, just because you know I like the sights at six fifteen in the morning. Um, yeah. You just you just do navigate, use your navigation, and it'll tell you speed check ahead, speed check reported ahead. Speed check reported ahead. Look, we're not – there's like one car at that time of yeah. the morning that's the – you know, that is a pacer car. And they're doing 120 miles an hour. But the rest of us are doing 60 to 70. It's just – we're packed in like sardines at all hours. Never used to be that way. Thanks, California. Um, here's another tip. Um, oh, actually, just a thought, food for thought from one of our texters said, woke up without service today made me reflect on our post-earthquake or natural disaster family plan where we will need to meet up if all the phone services are unavailable. They're going to review the plan with their kids tonight. Mm, Wow. Good idea. Yeah, you go to uh, beready.gov here in Utah. Just a boatload of information on how to be ready, stay prepared in case of a natural disaster or an earthquake. Um and I yeah this listener says uh, if you if you wake up without it you're you're kind of out of luck carrier pigeons but iPhones now we're getting somewhere. yeah iPhones do have um that SOS capacity I I I don't know about Androids but I know that smartphones uh, my iPhone could still dial nine one one and that's important to remember you're not like totally out of luck if you're out of cell phone. So, like, if you don't have cell phone service and you still need to get a hold of first responders.
1: Again, they're still not telling us what caused the meltdown.
0: No. no we have no idea.
1: We don't know if it's a cyber hack. We don't know if it, it was a g- glitch. It we was
0: some Verizon customers. Uh, Cricket, I think, so, as well. It was Cellular One. Oof. I want to make sure I'm getting that right. But it definitely was mostly AT&T customers all over the country. But... Problem solved mostly now. So we talked a lot this morning about repealing the grocery tax um, and uh, what lawmakers plan to do um, surrounding that issue. But we're also talking this morning as well here at KSO News Radio about food prices. They have spiked again and in very, very specific aisles of your grocery store, like uh, Let's do a price check straight ahead. I want to see if you noticed what I noticed while I was shopping at the Smiths uh, in South Jordan yesterday around six o'clock at night. There's a reason why I went through the soda aisle and I just kept going.
2: David Nugentovic. David
0: Okay, I was at the grocery store last night. Uh, Dave picking up just a few things. For dinner, and I noticed something uh, that just blew me away. You know, those six packs of soda where it's like two shots? Oh, the mini cans. <laughs> the mini yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah, the mini cans. $4.99.
1: For how many? Six. For six of them? Yeah, six. That little baby thing is I like know. almost a buck a can.
0: <laughs> well, I just thought it was me. And then uh, listening to Utah's Morning News this morning, they were talking about what the Wall Street Journal is also talking about and that food prices have shot up again.
5: Egg prices were back up again. Meat products also saw some big jumps. Also, uh carbonated beverages, uh, sodas, uh, soda prices jumped a lot. See? So I
0: wasn- it wasn't just me. That seems like just a just a wild price for something so teeny tiny.
1: Okay, so obviously from the grocery store it's really expensive. But if you were to buy it anywhere else, if if you were at a, you know, mm-hmm. supermarket then, you know, it's it's still a pretty good deal. That being said, the problem is with some of these foods, they so wildly change and they vary from week to week. So I guarantee you this this four ninety nine six pack of mini sodas next week is going to be down to two ninety nine. Okay, whatever.
0: So we <laughs> will be at the grocery store it wasn't then. Yesterday. I can't afford to be there anyway. I just kept pushing my cart. I was like, you don't need that anyway. I quit soda a while ago. I've saved all kinds of money. Um. So uh, the Wall Street Journal saying food hasn't been this expensive in three decades. Um. And let me get into some of the. Uh, Let's go down some of the grocery aisles together. I'm looking at a CNN article that really breaks it down quite nicely when it comes to specific food items. It's the price of eggs too. Uh, when are we going to be able to stop talking about the
1: bird flu? Like, oh my goodness. So, my goodness! It's like we're like talking it, like about it never happened before. Like birds never yeah. got sick. Well,
0: so bird flu is to blame. Okay, can we get them? A, do they have a vaccine for that? Uh, bird flu is to blame. Nine percent. That egg prices have shot up since uh, November. I've felt that. I usually buy my eggs at Walmart, um, and I have seen. First of all, I've seen times when I go there, and this is kind of rare for Walmart, where like, where are all the eggs? Like, was there a run on eggs? Is it Easter yet? I mean, what is going on? This is like, this is just a vast wasteland of nothingness in the egg in the egg aisle. But they've also gone up has got up nine percent
1: okay i know you don't want to hear about the bird flu <laughs> but i i don't think we appreciate birds. how how widespread <laughs> it is and I'm how sure. in, it let me just give you a, okay. a little 75.4 million birds were oh, wiped out I in 47 oh, states
0: no, I, oh,
1: oh we we're we we're just gonna eat them anyway the they were gonna to, die either way i'm
0: the first one to cry when a bird flies into my windshield i don't need to hear that I don't need. That's, that's, that is that's sad. Um, let's move on to beef then. Raw beef steaks, up 11%. Uh, non-carbonated frozen juices, shot up 20%.
1: So your frozen orange juice?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm really, I'm seeing this as well, um, just in my, in my own neighborhood when I go shopping. I felt like we had gotten our arms around uh, food inflation, but no, crackers, up almost 8%. Baby food, 7%. The well, baby's got to eat. The baby's got to eat, up 7%. Sugar, 7%. Also notice that butter, I stopped baking because of the price of butter, honestly. Uh, but you've yeah, kind of come pricey. up with a life hack that has surprised you, Dave, um, when it comes to your your food budget. It's saving okay. you a ton of money.
1: Yeah, so a few things have really been revealed to me, so I've been on this weight loss program for about a month, so enough that I, I've i had to make some real changes in my life.
0: And can I just say right here up front, so we don't run out of time, because okay. you are long-winded, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you look wrong. great. I oh, know thanks. that I hadn't seen you in a few days, because I had Friday off the show, and then we both had Monday off the show, and you walked down the hall, and we passed each other just before our show meeting on Tuesday and I noticed it, that you have lost weight. And then I said something to you before the show when we yeah. got in studio. I said, it's noticeable. Congratulations. Well, no,
1: it's, yeah. it, it's not been easy. I won't say that. I, anyone that's been through some sort of a program or a diet, they, they know it's, it's not easy. But what it has done, and my program specifically, does not have like prepackaged meals. They don't send you what to eat. They teach you what to eat. And what I realized is how much garbage I was eating day in and day out. Because you're on
0: the strict diet.
1: Yeah, now. it's, a, it's okay. a strict diet. You know, it, it's healthy foods. Oreo-free you know. diet. It, it is definitely Oreo-free. Pizza-free. So it's pizza-free. Okay. Uh, you can't go through a, a fast food burger joint and order anything on this diet, which is kind of obvious, right? But now that I've stopped eating out, now that I've stopped buying soda—
0: Going to the Maverick down the road every single day. Hitting
1: fountain drinks every single day. Okay. Which my wife and I would do. Cha-ching. Uh, yeah, we we were looking, and we're, we're doing rough calculations. And I'm going to do like a really detailed calculation and audit of how much I've saved. Debbie, it is in the hundreds. The hundreds of dollars.
0: How much were you spending a week just on sodas at the, at the fountain you were going to?
1: So, at least $3 a day. Six days a week. So we're almost $20 in sodas. just And and sometimes we'd go twice a day.
0: Okay, so right? you're about $100 so a month in sodas. At
1: least $100. And that doesn't count the the cans and wow, the soda, Dave. the free <laughs> stuff I get at work. I was totally addicted.
0: Okay, but you're drinking water now.
1: Yeah. I'm so impressed with that. So much water. The, uh, I know, I'm so My impressed.
0: Goodness. He's doing the Debbie Club. <laughs> I do 100, 120 ounces a day of water. He thought I
1: was... That's bonkers. That's yeah. a lot.
0: But you do a lot too. That's a yeah. huge. I mean, I don't even know. That's like a tanker truck full of water there. Yeah. And then you've also saved money on eating out. Yes. Okay. And
1: and instead of eating out every day or every few days, or you know, you, we've we've pared it down. You know, we we go out maybe once in a week. And again, when you're buying real food, when you're going into the store and you're buying fresh vegetables and meats, and you're, you're not spending it on oreo cookies and pringles and chips it's in the shocking how I've, I've looked at my food budget it is shrinking now i'm eating less that's part of it but i am shocked at how much i'm saving and i'm not starving i had plenty to lose <laughs> so yeah it's it's been it's been a realization
0: wow that is i mean losing weight and saving a lot of money congrats that's awesome Maria's up next with more on that $2 billion uh, being pitched in taxpayer money for those two pro sports stadiums, arenas. She's got more. Hi, it's Dave and Debbie here of The and Dijanovic Show on KSL News Radio. We're on live on KSL News Radio Monday through Friday, starting at 9.
1: And every day we start off with the launch. So the key word is going to be launch.
0: So, text that keyword to 57500 5 0 0 and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros.